I kept posting, I kept doing it, but it was definitely like this imposter syndrome of like, no one's going to take me seriously because I'm so young, but I just, I just kept going and you just kind of have to keep going no matter what. And that's, I mean, I'm sure you guys get this question all the time. I get it all the time is like, how do I just start? How do I get over my fear of getting started? The judgment of other people, whatever else for me, it was like, if I don't start, I know I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And I'm the only person to blame here. If you've done a search on YouTube about how to grow on YouTube or how to make money on YouTube, you've definitely come across Katherine Manning. Well, I'm excited because on the next two episodes of the Think Media podcast, we have Katherine and Sean sitting down to do a more candid discussion about what it was like growing on YouTube, how should you actually start if you're starting this year, and so many great nuggets you can take away from it. My name is Heather Torres, and I am your host of the Think Media podcast the number one podcast to help you grow your YouTube influence and then turn that influence into a high profit and a high impact online business. Thank you so much for being here today. If you're brand new, I want to encourage you to subscribe to this podcast. You can subscribe wherever you're consuming this content on. So if you're on YouTube, hit that subscribe button. Or if you're listening on a podcast app while you're driving, taking the dog for a walk, doing the dishes, make sure you subscribe so that you get hit with the podcast every single Tuesday and you can join us on our Tuesday ritual. Well, we're diving into part one of this two-part series with Catherine Manning. Sean and her discuss things like how you should pick your niche, how you should be doing your branding, and the mindsets that you need to overcome if you want to grow on YouTube this year. Let's jump into today's featured content. What do I wish I knew back when I was starting a YouTube channel? I'm so fired up because today on the Think Media podcast, we are answering that question, myself and Catherine Manning, who you probably know, but if you're just meeting her, she's a YouTuber, a content creator with over 440,000 subscribers across two channels. And she encourages creatives to create a life they love doing what they love. She posts videos every single week on YouTube, tons of valuable content. And just like myself and the Think Media team, she's crushing it today, but she's made a ton of mistakes over the years. She's made, gone the wrong direction and learned a ton of lessons. And so buckle your seatbelt for this whole episode because we're really gonna be answering like, what do we wish we knew back when we were starting our YouTube channel when it comes to branding, naming your channel, picking the right niche? Uh, how much gear do you need? What software do you need? Um, what is a waste of your time? What's the best way to spend your time? And a lot of uh, topics like that. And so Catherine, welcome to the Think Media Podcast. Yeah, thank you for having me. I'm ready to share all the knowledge today. Well, I'm fired up to have you here. Before we uh, dive into a couple specific questions related to the practicality of starting a YouTube channel, break down a little bit of your story in a nutshell. What has your journey been like? How long have you been on the platform? And what's your journey in just entrepreneurship been like up until this point? Yeah, so I'm actually hitting my five-year anniversary coming up next month, which is very exciting. So I started a blog five years ago because, I mean, we'll talk about this, but I was afraid to share my face online. I picked a brand name that had nothing to do with me because I didn't want anyone to find me. And that's really where I got started. My blog, my website, I enjoyed Instagram and talking on Instagram stories. And I was like, hey, if I like videos so much, why don't I get started on YouTube? Plus I can use YouTube to enhance what I'm saying in my blog posts. So I got started on YouTube four years ago and 
you know, I made a ton of mistakes getting to where I am today, but it's been, it's been a heck of a journey. And so how, what was the turning point when things started to grow and how long did it take of making mistakes? Like, was it slow growth for a while? What was the growth curve? When did things really start to happen and when was it slower? How did that break down? Yeah. So I had my blog for three years. I had YouTube for two years before I saw any real growth. I mean, it took me over a year to hit 300 subscribers. And then it wasn't until it was really October of 2019 that I started to see some traction on YouTube. But up until that point, like my blog was slowly growing. It was so, 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 so slow. My YouTube channel felt like it wasn't growing until it just clicked. And there were a lot of things that I did to make it click. And then once I grew, I mean, my channel skyrocketed. 2020 was a huge year for my channel. And I I think I gained like 260,000 subscribers in a year or something. It was it was crazy. So encouraging because, you know, we never know when that moment's going to be. It's like Malcolm Gladwell mm -hmm. tipping point. Like when it comes to doing the right things and sometimes not even knowing what things are right, there can be that moment of breakout success. And it's been awesome to watch your rise. Uh, I kind of want to start with like talking about what do you wish you knew when it came to picking out a name for your channel? You were formally known like the, uh, you know, Prince, the artist mm -hmm. formally known as Prince as the content bug. And I believe yeah. you've kind of now gone to your personal brand name. I think a lot of people wonder, should I do a personal brand? What's a good, what's a good way to name a channel? What's good your journey been on picking out a name? Yeah. So I got started with a content bug because like I said, I didn't want to share my face. I didn't want to share my name. I even went by Kath instead of Catherine because the way that I spell Catherine is so New York unique that I was like, people can find me and I don't want people to find me. I didn't want like my friends and family to find me. Like I was embarrassed with what I was doing, which I shouldn't have been. So I got started with the content bug mistakes that I made. Okay. For one, I wish that I would have kind of just like gotten over myself and went with my real name because now like all of my brand is built around me and what I'm doing with my life. And I want to like lead by example and create a life you love doing what you love. Like that's what I've done for myself. So having my brand be Catherine Manning makes so much more sense. But one of the mistakes I made is I did not Google the content bug before I picked that as my name. And that is 100% my first recommendation. Google it because when content is connected with a bug, like anything digital connected with a bug is a bad thing. It's like a virus. So there was already this negative talk around the name that I was trying to establish myself as. And that was, <laughs> was not good. Man, that's great. And, uh, you know, that also reminds me up until this point, um, I, I have a personal channel. I don't do a ton there, Sean Cannell. Think Media is just kind of a weird, you know, we had this other project called Think International. So we picked out Think Media and I just sort of stuck with it. And I wasn't applying any of your tips at the time. But as you know, I wrote a book with my friend Benji and we started a mm -hmm. side project called Video Influencers. Because that started so much later in my YouTube journey, that was the first brand we thought about. We thought about the name and a checklist of things we thought. We, we Googled it. Does anybody else have it? Can we get the .com? At the time, we couldn't, but we wondered if we could get the .com, and we act, we purchased it later for a good price from like a domain buyer. Can we get the social media handle? So that's like another mm -hmm. one. You know, thinking about that ahead of time is related related to the name. Twitter is limited characters, so it's video influencer without the S. But everywhere we were, we were able to get it, and we kind of secured that before ahead of time. If you are coaching somebody on like branding and naming right now, how big of a deal do you think those nuances are? Sometimes you got to just make a decision. But what would you say in terms of thinking about your name cohesively across all channels? 
Yeah, no, I agree. So one of the things that I did is I went to like a domain finder and like the content bug wasn't taken. So I just bought it without Googling it. So not only do all the things that Sean is talking about there, but also make sure that you Google it to figure out what the talk is going on. And you don't want someone with a competitive name or something that's really similar because SEO, whether it's on YouTube or Google, that's going to be really hard. But oh my gosh, okay, when it comes to your personal name and the research you want to do, I mean, for me, I was so afraid to switch from the content bug to Catherine Manning because my channel had, it was right before I hit 100,000 subscribers that I changed. I think I was around like maybe 80,000 subscribers that I made the change, but I was terrified to do it because I was like, everyone knows me as the content bug. I'm already established. My SEO is done, but don't be afraid to pivot your brand if you need to, or if you want to. I think a lot of people, especially in the beginning, like they don't want to get started because they don't have the right equipment, or maybe they haven't thought through their brand name. And they're like, I don't know if I want to be stuck with this for 50 years. You can always change in the future. Now, I don't recommend changing every couple of months. Like there's no point setting up your LLC, doing all that stuff. Like don't do it. But if you need to change, go ahead and change. Just make sure you do your research in the beginning, like we're talking about. That's deep. And you know, what's funny is as, as you're further along in the journey, I mean, we just made, I'd consider it kind of a mistake. This very podcast is now called the Think Media Podcast, but uh, it started as the Think Marketing Podcast. And I just was trying to be creative. I was trying to make it different than Think Media. I actually, this is funny because we had a team. I didn't even really talk to them. They were like, I don't know. We didn't know what you were doing either. Like, what the heck? You thought it was a good idea. And then yeah. I was like, we're so far to your point, youtube.com forward slash think marketing, like branding logos and all this different stuff we put around it. And then I was like, that's oh, going to be painful to change, but we knew it was the right decision. And mm -hmm. now we're a couple months and even just, it was like, well, why wouldn't everything be built around think media? But all that to say is number one, if you're frustrated, cause you're looking back now and being like, shoot, I want to have it, my personal name and not the content bug. Or you're thinking like, ah, I already have momentum. I want to stay. If it's right to change, just do it. It's not that big a yes. deal. And the future is forward. Um, is there ramifications? Of course. But at some point, if you know it's the right move to make, then definitely make that yeah. move. And uh, branding is a whole journey, which also kind of brings us to finding your niche. Like, what is your advice? How do you find your thing? How do you narrow down? I'm multi-passionate, Catherine. There's so many things I want to talk about. And specifically on YouTube, does it matter to uh, niche down? What have you learned? Yeah. So for me, when I first got started with YouTube, I mean, I was creating my YouTube videos to help my blog posts. My main thought wasn't to grow on YouTube. Like I did not do any research on how the algorithm worked, SEO, any of that stuff. Like I didn't know research. I just dove right in, which honestly, great recommendation. Just dive in and figure it out as you go. But I was talking about a wide variety of things because my blog was talking about a wide variety of things. So I was doing a little bit of digital marketing. I have experience working in the digital marketing world. I was a consultant before I got started with all of this. So I knew SEO, I knew blogging, I knew Facebook and Twitter and everything else. So that's what I was talking about, but then also personal development. And it took me so long to grow on YouTube because I didn't have a niche. I didn't have a focus. Yeah, 100%. So then wh when did you niche down and what was your aha moment? My aha moment, funny enough, was Sonny Leonard Uzi. I started watching YouTube videos about how to grow on YouTube and I saw 
one of her videos where she said, you need to niche down or you need to pick three main topics for your videos. So that's what I did. I wanted to talk about blogging, Pinterest, and then how I did certain things because I really just want to lead by example with everything that I do. And I had so many questions when I was first getting started that I felt like I didn't find the answer to really easily. So I was like, how can I make those videos for any creative that's just getting started now? So I ended up launching a video where at the time I wasn't talking about YouTube at all, but I shared my journey from zero to 1000 subscribers, which is now one of my most popular videos on my YouTube channel. And then I shared another video about how long it takes to get monetized because when I was first on YouTube, that was the exact question I typed in is how long does it take to get monetized? And there were no videos like it. So I was like, when that happens for me, I'm going to make that video. And those two videos ended up doing pretty well. So I was like, you know what? I'm going to take one month. I'm going to talk about YouTube and what I've learned. And at that point, I had maybe 3,000 subscribers, maybe. And those videos started to do well enough. So then when I switched back to my content of blogging and Pinterest, those videos weren't doing well for me. And I was like, you know what? Let's just go full throttle with talking about YouTube. Yes, yeah, success leaves clues, even in your own video library. And so mm -hmm. you doubled down on the types of videos that were working. I've heard you say yeah. in one of your videos, though, don't niche down too hard. What do you mean by that? Yeah, so I think I put myself in a little bit of a box where some people only expect one certain piece of content from me. Like they think I only talk about YouTube tips and they just want that one thing from me. And there's so many other things that I'm interested in, as well as so many things that can help you to become successful on YouTube and my brand messaging, create a life you love, doing what you love. It's not just your work. It's also your mindset. I mean, your work ethic, your productivity, just like so many different factors that go into being successful on YouTube. It's not just here's the algorithm, master it, figure it out. There's so much more that goes into it. And I think I put myself in too much of a box that I can't talk about other things that I'm interested in. So I'm trying to branch out a little bit, but that's also why I created another YouTube channel. I also have a vlog channel and over there, I just share whatever the heck I want. I just vlog my life and it's great. It's awesome. But my recommendation would be don't put yourself in such a box. Like I think it makes it easier to grow if you do niche down, but you don't need to be like, I only share recipes and that's it. There's so much more that you can do within whatever niche you pick. I love it. And, you know, we've talked about naming your channel, kind of figuring out what kind of videos you want to make, niching down three main topics, maybe what are your three topics, put videos in those buckets. Mm -hmm. I'm also curious about branding. Um, how important do you think finding a visual style for thumbnails, um, having a color, knowing at least your color directions and, and, and branding, I, you know, I've heard it defined. It's what people think about when they think about you. So it's kind of like your whole brand is sort of a collection. It's not just a logo. It's not just a website, but yeah. it's a lot of those different things. What do you wish you knew about branding or what have been some of your approaches from the beginning that maybe if you launch a new project now, you would approach it differently when coming up with like a brand identity and a brand image? For me, I think I did branding pretty well from the beginning. Like I picked out my brand colors, my fonts, just like general vibe and aesthetic. And honestly, I've stuck with it to this day. It's the exact same. The only thing that's changed is obviously my logo and my brand name. When I was first getting started, I designed my own logo. And then last year, I decided to hire someone to actually design something that looks a bit more professional and I love it. But when it comes to branding, yeah, definitely the look and feel of especially like your thumbnails, 
if we're just talking about YouTube here, like your cover, your banner image, and your thumbnail should look really cohesive. You don't want one that's super edgy and then another one that's like really soft and laid back and very like aesthetic and vibey. You know, it doesn't make much sense. You want someone to see one of your thumbnails and recognize it knowing that it's you and your brand and they're more likely to click on it. I mean, familiarity is such a good thing, but the same thing with like your brand name. If you want to change it in the future, change it in the future. I don't remember what did I just say there? I don't recommend doing like a harsh cut of being like, oh, we were really bold and crazy. And now we're like totally muted. I would kind of like wean it out over time. And that's something that I do with my thumbnails. Like when I'm changing into a new font, I kind of slowly go that direction or even style with like where I'm placed in my thumbnails, the way it's edited. I slowly make the transition so that my audience isn't totally shocked. And then they don't recognize my thumbnails and they're less likely to click on it. I'm curious, do you have um, a mission statement for your channel or for your company or anything like that? I do not. I just have like my brand message, create a life you love doing what you love. That's it. So that's a tagline. Would you call yeah. it a tagline? Yeah. So how'd you come up with that? Did you know that from the beginning or have you, cause you know, I think there's mission statements, there's vision statements, there's values. There's like all yeah. these different things you could get into, but definitely on YouTube, you know, there's this idea of coming up with a phrase. So you have your phrase. We say on Think Media, our, you know, kind of main where we talk about cameras the most, the best tips and tools for helping you build your influence with online video. It's that elevator statement. It's that tagline. Mm -hmm. Have you always had yours or uh, how'd you come up with that? Yeah, I think so. I think it might've taken me a couple of months to come up with it, but otherwise it was pretty simple and easy for me to come up with. I don't, I don't know why it just like stuck out to me. And I was like, I love that. I want everything that I do to embody that and to empower other people to just create the best life for themselves. You think that's important? Would you encourage people that are starting YouTube channels to try to think of a tagline or uh, something like that? That's sort of a direction their channel is taking people. Yeah, I think for me, I always say it's like your purpose. Like if you're just creating videos for fun, I mean, that's great. But if you actually know the purpose and the meaning behind your videos, it helps to give you more of that direction. So if you're ever curious, like, oh, should I change my niche or something? Well, does it fall back on the purpose that you established for your business? And for me, yeah, I'm talking about YouTube. I'm trying to help people to grow on YouTube. And to me, that's helping creators create a life they love. Like that's the goal here. But there's so many other things that go along with that. And that's why I'm trying to branch out of the box a little bit so I can stick to my main messaging, my tagline there, but yeah. Strong. I mean, yeah. Staying purpose-driven and because yes. that helps you make, it helps you prioritize because maybe you shouldn't talk about everything or do this or that if it's not a lot in alignment with that direction of your channel. Um, Catherine, I'm curious, yeah. um, especially in when starting YouTube, when starting anything new, but definitely when starting YouTube over the last couple of years, have you ever had any challenges with comparison or any mental battles of, is it too late for me to start when you started? Um, did you maybe, we all process maybe comparison different. Do you, did you look at other people that were doing it? One of the biggest challenges we hear in our community a lot are sometimes people can spend a lot of time scrolling and look at what everybody else is doing and can mm -hmm. talk themselves out of taking action. Um, has there been any mindsets that you wish you were just more confident or quick in the beginning and you didn't worry about things? Does anything like that come up? Yeah. So funny enough, I think in today's day and age, a lot of people have the opposite problem of me. When I got started, I was 23 and I thought that I was too young. 
which is crazy because now like TikTok's out and I feel like so many young creators are out there, but I thought I was too young that no one was actually going to take me seriously, which now I'm like, it's totally crazy. But I just, oh my gosh, that was. So, that so was how'd so you get over that? Did it keep you from posting videos for a while or was it actually you're taking action, but also just thinking about it and, and having self-doubt? Yeah. I mean, I just, I kept posting, I kept doing it, but it was definitely like this imposter syndrome of like, no one's going to take me seriously because I'm so young, but I just, I just kept going and you just kind of have to keep going no matter what. And that's, I mean, I'm sure you guys get this question all the time. I get it all the time is like, how do I just start? How do I get over my fear of getting started? The judgment of other people, whatever else for me, it was like, if I don't start, I know I'm going to regret it for the rest of my life. And I'm the only person to blame here. So if I'm going to let me thinking that I'm too young, hold me back, that's silly. That's ridiculous. And if I get started today, I'm going to be so much farther along compared to if I started in a year or so when I think that I'm older, and <laughs> the right age to start. It was like such a silly mindset looking back. I just think it's absolutely ridiculous. But your other question about comparison, for sure, when I first got started, especially with my blog, I went to Google and I looked up other successful bloggers. And then I started following them on Instagram because I wanted to know what other people were doing. And I wanted to know what made them successful. But then that quickly put me in the trap of like, well, why am I not there yet? Like I'm starting from zero and I'm comparing myself to these people that have like 300,000 followers. Like you can't compare that at all. And that was definitely a learning curve for me. I ended up unfollowing a bunch of people, not because I didn't like their content, but because I noticed it was unhealthy for me. And even when I switched into the YouTube niche before that, I was subscribed to a lot of different people. Like I was subscribed to Think Media. I learned a lot from your videos, but I ended up unsubscribing or I ended up just not watching those videos because I was like, I don't want to I mean, the word is influencer, you know, and we are really influenced by the content that we watch. And I was afraid, like if I kept watching Think Media videos, then I was going to just keep creating your videos over again. Although that wasn't my intent, that was my fear as my voice would have been too influenced by what other creators were saying. So like I had to mute some people on Instagram and I had to stop watching certain videos because I wanted to be unique in my own space. And I knew that that comparison trap was not, it's not healthy and it's not productive. Man, that's some really powerful advice. And I'm actually grateful that you stopped following Think Media. Uh, not because well, we did miss out on, on, on the views, but I'm actually reading a book <laughs> called um, Decoding Greatness. And we'll link this up in, in the show notes. This book is really great in terms of uh, how the best in the world reverse engineer success. One of the tips is actually uh, limiting how many things you're consuming. And it gives the exact yes. advice that you just said. If you, especially in a world where you want to be different, where how do I stand out on YouTube right now? If you're just a, an echo of the other channels in your niche, then you're really not bringing something original to it. And we are mm -hmm. influenced by what we watch. So if we can also consume potentially sources that are entirely different, like I, one of the things I noticed, I think in one of your videos was you brought lifestyle content you said to YouTube tips because some of us YouTube educators were just educating and we weren't bringing that mm -hmm. same flavor, but, but you brought originality and it's shown in your numbers and your results because it sounds like now we're learning. You stopped watching everybody else in your niche. That's so powerful. Yeah. So I want to encourage, that's a super uh, powerful tip as well as what it can do to your mindset because having a strong mindset, having a focused mindset, most of us could probably consume less and create more. So that's mm -hmm. some really brilliant advice. 
Yeah. Something that I did, I think I was following like 2000 people on Instagram or something insane. I ended up on following so many people. I think I now follow maybe like 170 some. It's so small, but I don't follow. Now I more so follow more people. Like I follow you. I follow Roberta Blake and like other people that are doing our thing here. But it took me a while to realize my own voice to then be okay with re-following those people. But yeah, something that I love, I like to follow creators that make me feel inspired, that are totally outside of my niche. So Desi Perkins on YouTube, I think she's got like 3 million subscribers. She's killing it. She's amazing. I absolutely love her. Not that I know her personally, but I love her. Her content is fashion and beauty. This, I'm not fashion and beauty, but I absolutely feel inspired and just creative energy from her. So if that's something you need to do, like find creators that inspire you, not creators that you feel like that comparison trap coming on. Wow. Really, really strong. Um, and, uh, I'm curious on your journey, especially once you started experiencing success and subscribers, the views start coming in. So do the comments. And I would imagine, I can't imagine you get this far without potentially, uh, getting, you know, a hater or two or uh, a troll. And there's all kinds of different categories. Not everybody who is critical is necessarily a hater. They may just be adding something of value. Some people are super toxic. Some people are mean. Yeah. Some people are, I'm sure, crazy stalkers in your case and all kinds of weird <laughs> stuff that could happen on the journey. Um, I am curious though, was there ever a comment that got under your skin or a, or, or a season where because of feedback or comments where there, it triggered a little bit of a mental battle and a little bit of just that you had to overcome. And, and clearly from where you are, you do not let these comparison or these mindset things hold you back, but that doesn't mean they don't bother you or necessarily yeah. send you off on different emotional roller coasters or, or, or moments where any, does anything come to mind as far as comments or seasons where maybe some feedback was coming your way that you had to build mental toughness and really overcome that. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I think it comes with the territory, which kind of sucks, but like online bullying is so real. And there's a difference between constructive criticism and people trying to help you out being like, Hey, I would like you to showcase this in your video, or maybe your lighting was bad or something, you know, like something like that is not a big deal. The comments that really get to me are the ones that are making accusations, especially about my character I do not like those at all. And a really tough season for me is last year I went through a divorce and it was, oh man, I got ridiculous accusations of like, oh, you became so successful. And then you dumped this person. And it's like, if you really knew the whole story, like it's ugh, people are mean, people are nasty and it's, it's not healthy, but I mean, that's why YouTube has comment filters. Instagram now got comment filters, which is so nice. And it makes it a little bit better if there's certain trigger words that you need to block or immediately have it go to like the held for review. Do that because interacting with your audience is so important and you don't want it to stop you from interacting with your audience. But I was at the point where I just stopped checking DMs. I stopped responding to comments on Instagram because it was just, it was so nasty. Like people can be really mean. Wow. And did you ever take a break or did you just kind of put blinders on and keep creating um, when those kind of attacks were coming your way, attacks of your character? I, I just kept creating. I mean, I've taken breaks like two weeks has been the longest break I've ever taken, <laughs> which when you're in it seems like the longest thing ever. But at the end of the day, like two weeks is nothing. But I mainly took a break just because, I mean, I ended up 
I separated from my ex and then I drove cross country to LA and I just needed to get away as he moved out of the house. And that break was necessary because I didn't, I wasn't filming during that time. And I also needed that mental break, but it was never because of the comments that I got from people that I took a break because at the end of the day, like the number of negative comments or those like wrong accusations, there are 90 more comments that are way better than that. You know, like there's more than that, honestly. And most people are rooting for you and the people that aren't you're rooting for you, you know, it's typically, it's not about you either. I think that's so important to remember because when you're getting, when you're getting those comments, it may seem like it's a personal attack on you and you may actually take it personally when in reality, it could have nothing to do with you. That person could just be having a bad day and they're taking it out on you. And that's really, really crappy of them to do, but you just kind of got to push through. Yeah. A lot of times negative comments are much more a reflection of the individual than, um, than the person they're commenting on. Usually they're hurt because hurt people hurt people. And you mm -hmm. reminded me of, uh, our friend, John Acuff was on the podcast recently. He has what's called haters math and haters math says 99 positive comments plus one negative comment equals one negative comment. Oftentimes it's that one that we'll remember and think about for the rest of the day. And the 99, we glaze over. We're like, cool. Thanks for the encouragement. Great. Great. You, yeah. Usually this is with the like and dislike button too. You go awesome. A hundred likes. And then you go, but who's the two people that click dislike? And, and why they click dislike right when I uploaded the video, like, are they, did they turn on notifications so they can click dislike or, you know, and so, um, and it can be tough. Like that, it, the reality is same thing. We, you know, we wrote a book and, and the, the YouTube secrets, there is literally like this verified, incredible review. The two top reviews is like, this is the greatest book. You have to yep. read this. This is amazing. And then the other one is like, this is literally the worst book. It is the worst <laughs> book ever written. And you want to talk about like, polarization of, and you're like, man, the highs and lows of posting content and uh, putting yourself out there. But you're right. Yeah. Typically, if you're adding good to the world, you're serving people. If you do the math and let the math speak for itself, there's 99 positive comments. Mm -hmm. There's going to always be maybe that one or two negative ones. You got to just keep going. Well, that was part one of this two-part series, so make sure you're subscribed so that you can listen to next week's episode where we dive into more of the YouTube algorithm questions, how to grow, how to make money, all of those pieces with Katherine Manning. But I have some reflective questions for you based on today's episode. Have you picked your niche? Have you already decided who you're going to serve and how you're going to serve them? Have you decided on your brand, your style, how you're going to create videos? When people think of you, what do you want them to think about? And have you figured out the limiting beliefs, the mindsets that have been holding you back from actually succeeding on YouTube? Are you comparing yourself to others? And what do you need to do so that you can move yourself forward this year? I'm so excited because Catherine's joining us again on the next episode of this podcast. But if you haven't already registered for our free masterclass, you're gonna wanna make sure that that is something that you do next. On this free masterclass, Sean is teaching you uh, the one strategy he used to generate 57,000 views per day. If you want to learn how to get views, this is the free class for you. This is not available on YouTube. It's not available on the podcast. You want to make sure you register at thinkmasterclass.com.
www.thepodcastmama.com. And I want to thank you so much for those who have rated and reviewed this podcast. It means the world to us because it helps other people just like you get this podcast in front of them. So thank you so much for all of those who have rated and reviewed the podcast. And today I want to shout out Lauren B. She says, I've been following Think for over a year and they give amazing tips for beginner YouTube creators. All the content they put out is amazing. Thank you so much, Lauren. Love Lauren and B for that review. And I want to encourage you, if you've not rated or reviewed the podcast, make that one of your next steps to do this week. Well, thank you so much for watching and we'll catch you in part two of this series with Catherine Manning.